This is the Cultural Fluency Podcast with Angèle Preto, the French coach. That's me. Welcome. Today in episode number three, I am with Sharmila, the founder of Sharmila Medicine. So Thank you. Welcome. Hi. Sharmila, you have described yourself as a spiritual, trailblazing, provocative, creative consultant and sexology educator, paving pathways for radical acceptance of, and self-exploration. So that is very exciting. I am so excited to, to speak about that. Before we get into it, I need to throw in a disclaimer uh, for the people who are listening, because as soon as you said yes to this podcast, you emailed me asking, how clean is your podcast? Is it no cursing, 18 plus, or any specifics that I should be aware due to the nature of my mouth? So I have to say, I had not even thought about it before you emailed me that. And my answer is... No, um, I'm French. I have no idea what an 18 plus podcast entails. I think it's a great start for a question, but let's just be a disclaimer for the people listening. If you're listening right now and you have children around and you might, there might be something that you don't want them to hear. So grab some headphones so that Shamila here can be totally comfortable with the nature of her mouth and just shine her light and tell us whatever uh, she feels like telling us. So yeah what's the deal with 18 plus like I was thinking of that literally this morning because I was recording some uh, French lessons with Bradley Cooper and there was an interview of him because he speaks French so there was an interview of him on like the most offensive radio show I've ever heard of and the worst <laughs> part is that when I say I ever heard of it it goes back way back when because when I was a teenager and my two younger siblings were also teenagers they were listening to that. And it was from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. in France. And they were trying to appeal to teenagers, discussing the worst possible topics you can think of. And personally, I'm not easily offended. Uh, if people want to discuss anal sex over breakfast, no problem. Uh, but once my mother heard that and she was like, wait, what? <laughs> what are my like, you know, 12 and 15 year old kids? Because I, I didn't care about the show, but my sisters did. They were much more like regular teenagers than I was. And my mother was like, what are they listening to? So yeah, that's friends for you. So I'm like, apparently in the US, you have an 18 plus ratings or conversations. Like what? Tell me about that. <laughs> what, a great, what a great segue uh, into my <laughs> mouth. Um, so I actually got kicked off, not kicked off. Uh, my episode with another podcast host got pulled and I was talking about anal sex which, you know, these are questions that she prompted me and we were ready for. And apparently Apple, uh, Apple has some strict guidelines. Like if you do talk about sexuality, then it needs to be 18 plus like um, adults mm -hmm. or they've got a whole thing that I'm learning about now. And I'll share the knowledge with you as I get it. Cause I'm setting yeah. up my podcast. Yeah, my, my podcast provider has like an option for clean versus explicit. So I guess I'm just going to tick explicit for this episode. Yay. So we are fine. Whatever, I love you know. It. Great. Well, yeah, that's what it's about. And I, I would like to, I'm part of my work is to take the stigma away from sexuality being naughty or taboo and also reframing it into, it's not uh, friction or penetration. It's, sexuality is your creative energy I mean sure it is that it is also intercourse and the way that I view life creative energy is flowing everywhere so sex is everywhere so it is important that I'm like hey are you sure I can talk 
three. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, the whole idea of this conversation, if this podcast is to have a relaxed conversation with the guests, so you are expected to talk freely about the topics that you want to share. Um, yeah, I will just try to keep it useful for the audience, but not censored. Yes, if that, if that makes great. sense. That's the, that's the goal, really. So, yes, yeah, but- well, tell me more about you. Like, how did you end up in that profession? I assume it's something that is influenced by your cultural background, uh, by the different cultural experience you've had. So this is cultural fluency. That's right on topic. What's your yes. story? Okay. How did, how did that come to light? So becoming a sexologist or studying sexologist right now, I'm studying somatic sexology, which is the more body-based approach to healing from the inside out, the way the nervous system responds to uh, sexual stimulation or the way emotions and trauma are stored in the body and how I can move that out of my own. Um, So I started talking about sex. I've always talked about sex. It's just never been a thing where I thought I should be ashamed. And even in, you know, my younger years of before even a teenager, I was always sharing with the kids, you know, I put a marker in me and, (laughs) and now I'm not a virgin. Does that count? Like I've always been very curious and open and if anything, people would have to tell me, I think you're not supposed to talk about that here. And I'm like, why, why not? Like, I, I never understood the stigma until I started speaking publicly about sex. And then I noticed I would get filtered or uh, banned from certain content that I'd post. And yeah, so it's not something where I was like, I'm gonna be a sex educator. However, when I started, healing my physical body, my spiritual body, my mental health, a big part of me feeling whole is to be free to be me, to express myself. And a large piece of that is letting go of shame around mental illness, physical disability, which I was kind of led me here on this path. Mm-hmm. And through my path of physically healing and changing my thoughts, I, I, I thought that the only thing that I wasn't allowed to, allowed, according to who, I don't know, this is a thought that I made up in my head, that people won't like me or like what I have to say if I express myself. And so the most difficult thing to talk about was sex at that time. It was actually maybe not difficult for me to talk about, but my fear of being received. Mm-hmm. Like, would, would people receive me well? Would they confuse it with promiscuity? Which I've had periods of promiscuity. That's, and I wanted to be able to talk about that too without being like naughty, naughty. And just naturally part of my, me being a speaker and me being a guide is to speak freely. And when I started speaking up on sexuality, the feedback that I got was so much less of fear and so much more of, yes, more of this empowerment. Mm-hmm. This is what I want to be able to talk about. This is the stuff that I can't talk to my sister about or my brother about or whoever. And so I was like, okay, well, let's ride with it. And then I got into the somatic sexology, the body-based healing, because I was interested in helping trans people, specifically women who've had their breasts removed. And there's a there's a, a combination of breath work and touch where you can massage the breast tissue to release any trauma or stored or dense energy held in 
your tissues. So they say, mm -hmm. there's a saying, your tissues have issues. So wherever mm -hmm. your issues goes, it gets stored in your muscle tissue. Right. So that's what attracted me to somatic sexology. Otherwise I had been speaking on sex since before I knew I was not supposed to, according to 18 and up channels or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of something I, I accidentally stumbled into, but people would not stop asking me to talk about it. So, and now I love talking about it. So cool, why not get paid to study and teach and heal? So that's, yeah. that's what I'm doing. Absolutely. So it's it's like a real absolute calling for you. Like it's your the stuff you were coming to earth to do and to, yeah. to heal, right? Yeah, um, I feel I feel so. It's just part of the path. And th through speaking, educating, like uh, it's called it's in Ayurveda. It's a type of Indian astrology where they read my chart at birth mm -hmm. and have some sort of it's like a psychic medium. And he said I'd be in technology, teaching, traveling. And that's what I'm doing now. <laughs> uh, technology, teaching, traveling, that could apply to me as well. That we are not speaking about the same kind of topics. <laughs> <laughs> Quite far apart from, you know, but I guess it's still kind of part of the same umbrella of people who just share things that haven't really been shared before so much. So I guess that holds together. Yep. You actually share not only about sexuality, you really speak about many different things. Like I was going through your Instagram account to prepare for this interview. You talk about well, sexuality, but also relationships, uh, consent, and also content creation, marketing, channeling. You also have a marketing program that you work with uh, clients on. Uh, you're really multifaceted. I was like, wow, this is so cool. And this flies in the face of this injunction that we have as, as online entrepreneur or business owners or whatever to niche down and to have a narrow niche. And generally, like, I find there are two really different approaches. There's like the really big eco chamber situation that we are well aware that now it's a problem. It's a problem for politics. It's a problem for many things, like even for science, because people gain some scientific conviction and they have like, science is like broken in different parts, like it's, it's a mess. And on the other hand, you have the multifaceted people like yourself and I feel like myself too. And we are, personally, I feel I've been feeling held back for a long time by the, having to like do one thing. I'm like, this oh. doesn't work. What you need is like find a way to reintegrate all your parts. And then for me, it still is a process that's ongoing. Uh, adding this this podcast to my YouTube channel, which is about learning French, is part of it. I was kind of scared to do that, but it's working well. It's well received so far, so yay! Um, but yeah, I would love for you to speak about that. Like, how do you how do you manage this uh, all these parts, and how what advice maybe do you have for people who are like, oh my god, like I need to do only one thing, but I can't <laughs> because it's not human. Well, thank you for bringing this up. I'm very passionate about this is you are your own creator. You can talk, speak, be whoever you want. And, you know, we see in the digital coaching industry, it's choose your niche, choose your audience, yeah. speak about one thing. And there's validity in that because it helps people to understand what are you selling? How can you serve me? So that's great for marketing and I'm a personal brand. So I use my, my real name. I'm a real personality. Like, do you think Oprah is like, I'm only going to talk about X. 
Mm-hmm. No, Oprah is just like, here I am. Madonna, she's wearing cones on her tits. Did she wait for permission or validation to sing about that? Like, she can do anything she wants. And yeah. this is where I'm taking the approach of, I am a creative, I am an artist, period. And whatever is flowing through me, I'm going to express. Mm-hmm. Now, the way that I brand myself has been through a lot of unlearning through these Mm -hmm. coaching programs of like, oh, niche down, focus on one thing. Uh, I help so-and-so achieve X, Y, Z. Yeah, I help English speakers become French speakers. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so so yeah, there's that cheesy statement of just like, but it's almost like reductive. Mm -hmm. It is very reductive, yes. Mm -hmm. So I get it for the purpose of people who are going to create one product and just ride with it. Because I can do uh, quit smoking and just ride with that. I help people quit smoking through neuro-linguistic programming. Mm-hmm. But instead of that, like I switch my bio so often with whatever I'm talking about. So I, I the key, here's, here's the secret. Secrets out is storytelling. Mm-hmm. Just tell your story. And this is what I tell my students is whatever story that that you're experiencing in your head, in your spirit, in your life, you can connect that to a product. I would even sell, I would, I would just get on my stories and talk about what's going on in my life and be like, if you want help learning how to express your needs in the, ba- in, in the bedroom, then slide in my DMs. Right. And I would sell a product without actually having created the product. Mm-hmm. But like with full integrity, it's because I have the knowledge, the expertise to guide these people. But so you know they, you can create the product as soon as basically someone is asking for it. Well, well. so here's what I found out is when mm-hmm. I'm in conversation with them, whether it's a DM or a sales call, a private message or email, whatever it is, is I'm asking them, well, why, why are you coming to me first? You know, so it's what they want. Like they don't necessarily know what they need, mm-hmm. but if I know where they're at now and they want to go from point A to point Z, then if I feel competent to take them to point Z, then I will create something custom for them. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's all in packaging and, and marketing. You can, you can make it a lot more complicated and add structures. And I totally do use structure as a guideline rather than a rule book mm-hmm. because people are not linear. Yes. We are lunar, circular, there's, there's a flow, it ebbs and flows. So I just treat business like that. Business is a game. It's fun. Mm -hmm. And this way it's a lot less pressure on me and it gets to be personalized support. Yeah. I find that to be also very true in my coaching, especially when I coach people one-on-one because I'm so much in touch with them. Uh, It's just, it's not linear. And sometimes they will be gone for a while because their life got messy and then they will come back. And it's just, we just kind of have to roll with it. Also, I find that the obligation to niche down, it can work really well short term, but it's so reductive that people get bored and you have to find a way to keep renewing your audience. While if you show up as yourself, they will fall in love with you and whatever you do next, they will want to be in on it. And so in practice, you will have to work a lot less hard if you manage to be yourself and to show up as a full human than if you're constantly niche down and reducing what you're saying, which is it's annoying because the best advice, the best practice is utterly counterproductive on the long term. And I'm all about the long term. So I'm like, what? That 
this doesn't even make sense. But then if you want to show up as your own full human and really share your story, it's personally something I'm still struggling with. I'm working on that. I've been working on that for a long time. Uh, it circles back to this idea of the witch wound. I don't know if you've heard about it. Uh, a lot of people, mostly women, but then again, I would go to say it's mostly everyone who's not a white cishet, able-bodied, rich man, right? And maybe even those, I'm not, I don't know many of those and I don't even know, like maybe they have their own problems. But yeah, everybody who has not been presented as the default human is going to have this issue of feeling not legitimate. And, and then it goes back, you have the theory of the witch wound, which is that it has come from all the witches being burned in the past and everybody's throat chakra being closed because of that now and that we don't dare to express ourselves. So it's like we are caught up between two, two issues, really. <laughs> People yeah. want you to, like if you could really niche down well and if it worked, you wouldn't have so much of a witch wound problem because you wouldn't have to share much of yourself, but it doesn't work long-term. So like, okay, well, I, what now? I think, I think it can work long-term for people who want to sell one product or one thing and just ride with it. Like when I say ride with it, it's just, that's the signature thing that I'm known for is finance, finances. And then there's the argument of, well, I've got to, I've got to set myself apart from the rest. How am I going to be mm -hmm. different? And these, this type of feedback that I was receiving of, yeah, you can still be you, but you have to connect it into life coaching, into uh, sex therapy. And I'm like, I'm just going to, like, this is my theory of, of life of just how I live it is I, I study and I integrate what I need and I toss the rest. That's what so I do I too, think, yes. Yeah, so, so you use your own discernment and I say, take the best, forget the rest. Mm -hmm. And this, uh, this way of life gives me freedom. And when you speak of the witch wound, I have a, I've had a past life regression therapy session where I also, I saw my sister get burned and I was hiding under a bed. And so mm -hmm. there's like survivor's guilt yes. with that. That has also carried on to this life. Uh, I've, I've survived something similar to COVID or SARS. This is what the scars from being on a vent for three months. Wow. And so imagine, you know, the throat being your throat chakra and this being connected to the lungs and my heart. Heart chakra is control, freedom, mm -hmm. uh, love, judgment, jealousy, comparison. So all of those feelings of judgment and comparison coming up when I'm here trying to share my story, it it was it was the, probably a good two three years of wow. of me being like, do I post this? Do I delete it? And second guessing myself until that aha moment came of I'm just gonna be me, and if they don't like it, f them. If they like it, great, you know. And when I take on this mentality of those who are meant to come into this awareness will find the medicine where the medicine is available. And anyone can turn, uh, I'm a spirit medicine woman, so it's not like plant medicine, like ayahuasca or hot mm -hmm. bay or anything. It's uh, the, I'm a medium, so I channel spirit or source mm -hmm. or God. Yes. Or even entities like uh, spirits who have passed on. That's just mm -hmm. something that's been in my lineage, my grandmother, my mother, it's just very normal in our culture by the way, I'm Indian, is my ancestry. And parents are raised 
from Trinidad, which is in the West Indies, the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. So that being very normal of, of, you know, talking about spirits, that I felt freedom in. Like there, I felt like I could talk about whatever I want. And yet at the same time, I have uh, four American brothers who are very conservative and they're like, oh my gosh, she's gonna go to hell is what I'm thinking. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and until I let go of that like I had to really let go of worrying what other people are going to think of me because ultimately like I don't even believe that hell is this fiery place or heaven is you know the pearly gates I had uh I died twice and I I went somewhere I went to multiple places and none of them was heaven or hell other than here which I guess that's my theory is heaven and hell is here right now so it's what you make of it when you say i died twice are you referring to medical experience you had in this lifetime yes so the witch wound i was talking about a previous lifetime Mm -hmm. and i'm not even sure what how much truth there is in that is just a flashback and then this what i'm talking about is similar to covid where people are being put on ventilators and it attacks the lungs I caught something called Legionnaire's disease, which is an airborne Mm -hmm. virus as well. And it attacks the lungs and the immune system. So what happened was I had uh, my lung collapse twice. So that's when, you know, they would say she coded or, you know, flatlined. And Mm -hmm. then the stress of my lungs not working, my heart was trying to do all the work, trying to wake it back up. So I went into cardiac arrest. So that's the second time where I coded. And then I was also declared medically dead when that's when someone's on full life support and uh, they're not expected to come off of a ventilator or even survive it. Uh, so yeah, I, I did get to spend time traveling when I was in a coma and the experiences of the lung collapse and the cardiac arrest, I vividly remember because I was floating over my body, witnessing it all at, at that moment. And I got to speak with my father and talk about death, where I want to go. And it's actually him. My father had previously passed and I had Mm -hmm. normally seen him. Um, He and he's more Christian conservative. And it's funny because I made this joke. Maybe it's not funny. Is that I made a joke that uh, to my mother, I'm like, I will never be able to be the Indian sexy Oprah unless dad is dead. Mm -hmm. Because he's so conservative. Right, and I and I, I had this people pleaser syndrome of I've got to be perfect for daddy or for whoever, but myself, you know? Mm-hmm. So the journey of expressing whatever I'm moving through, even if it's taboo or controversial, was healing me. Right. And then when people would start messaging me, it was to the point where I'm like, I cannot keep up with these messages. I'm going to have to start charging for this. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just, I had to, I had to go into the business of teaching and, right. and speaking like to, so, for energetic boundaries. I just had to. <laughs> so you almost didn't really do it on purpose. It just kind of happened that you right. started your business. Yeah. And I, anytime that I did try to do anything uh, work related on purpose, it was, I was just stumbling. It, life was really challenging until... Mm-hmm. I got over the, oh, what the heck, just speak. And those who don't want to hear it can screw off or whatever. Yeah. Uh, It it, (laughs) it was difficult to keep a job, everything like that. But like mm -hmm. now, since I've been 
independent and doing my own thing, I'm consistently creating and it's on my time and it's what I want and no one gets to tell me what to do except for myself really. Yeah. Is it what you want or is it more like a source inspired thing? Because I've noticed that things happen like that. This podcast literally bodged itself into existence. One day I came and I talked to my colleague Linda and I was like, we have to do this podcast now. Like it has to be doing. And she was completely confused. And only two weeks afterwards, when I had completely convinced her that it was super important, I realized that it was never on any of my goal lists. Never, not even for the month. I was like, oh, wow. And I had thought about creating a podcast for a long time, but one day it just like, like came In into existence. Face. Yeah. And, and I never made a goal of creating it. Now, of course, I have a goal of having consistent guests and so on, because I need to always have a goal, goals list. But I was like, wow, like things really happen like that. Like this thing wanted to exist. And it's, yeah, it's, adding, it's adding the multifacets and just, I'm adding it to my YouTube channel, which is all about learning French. Well, not all now anymore because <laughs> the podcast is peripherally about different cultures, I guess, but it's part of really the project of all of us becoming citizens of the world and really not caring about borders so much anymore, but caring more about, okay, this is where I'm coming from and this is what I'm standing for. Um, oh, I love that. It's, it's the goal, right? It's like the ultimate goal of, well, I guess it should be everybody's yeah. ultimate goal, but we are not all on different levels with that. But you did have that you did have that goal and it's like spirit placed uh the platform or the medium yes. of how you will express or reach that goal it's not even the only time it happened uh for example i have my group program which is still to this day called the french fancy accelerator it might change in the future and it just turned two years old and uh one thing that yay yes it was amazing <laughs> and every year i make a big upgrade for it and last year I came up with the idea, but it only came uh, to life this year of for each person who buys a year in the program, I also gift a year in the program to a student who uh, is from a different uh, background. You're completely frozen. I don't know if that's your face looking like this. Or that's beautiful. Yeah. So basically now I have seven uh, scholarship students, most of which are from Africa or Asia. And there's one guy who's uh, only 18. I think or 17, uh, was from Europe, but you know, it's very young and yeah, I, and they're all from different countries. And now it's like truly a global experience with people that have really, really different backgrounds. And I'm so excited about that. And it was just, yeah, when I got the idea, it took me a while because it's a lot of steps to organize that, you know, to recruit people and talk about it. But when I got the ideas, I just didn't let it go. And everybody who's on the same page with, you know, being all of a citizen of the world without having the obsession of our nation. Everybody was all over it. It was like, yes, like, of course, we want to welcome these people in the program and, and we want to organize the space for them to also get the same chance to learn French as the rest of us who can quote unquote afford it financially. So yeah, I, yeah. I can relate to the things making their way into existence. Sometimes yeah, not really with, uh, <laughs> with purpose, I mean, a higher purpose I guess I mean some people call it synchronicity or divinity or fate or destiny you know whatever your belief system is yeah either way yours is still lining up with your your vision of a global community and that exactly what you're doing to invite people in in a scholarship opportunity to create more accessibility 
that is community impact. Yes. I have, I have a friend, uh, her name is Imani Istawi. She's also got a podcast plug. Uh, she taught me, this has always stuck with me. She's like, you know, you're, I asked, how do you know if you're making community impact? Like mm-hmm. how, what is the measurable goal? What does that look like? What does that feel like? And she's like, well, if everyone that you are helping looks like you, acts like you and talks like you, you're probably not making as much of an impact as you think. Yes, absolutely. And so that's where I was like, okay, same, same concept then. I, when I do sell any of my programs, I have scholarship spaces and that's up to me who I choose. I won't, um, the way that I market it is I won't be like, hey, this many spaces because I want people to be honest with mm-hmm. our, our, what, what they can afford and blah, 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 you know, different types of payment plans. But yes, I also make room for that and accessibility being something to bridge these nations. Is, yes. I'm, I'm so in line with you. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I think we are absolutely on the same page with that. And, and it's interesting because on the one hand, we have this like massive drive and on the other hand, we have this stuff that uh, goes against us. Like you said, you probably wouldn't be able to run your business the way you do unless your father's passed, which is it's really sad, but also it's kind of, I guess, what we need sometimes that like the barriers fall away. I remember one day uh, I did, wasn't able to find the comment anymore because it was a while ago, but I was commenting on one of your posts on Instagram and you said something about how um, my support as a male makes you feel seen and encouraged, like something like that. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. For starters, I don't even really know if I identify as a male. <laughs> I mean, I'm gender fluid, so it depends from time to time. Uh, I guess mostly I do, but it's, it's interesting because, yeah, you want to do you, but the, sometimes the the pressure or the oppression actually right like if it's a big word but that's what it is really it can be very strong so I mean even even with that I made an assumption and then as you say like these underlying factors come in where it's like yes you can be you and get paid to be you and then also pay awareness to what's around you like get real with what's around me so even when I was studying somatic sexology I didn't originally realize how many queer people were coming to me to come out to mm-hmm. even uh so this is like the journey of self-exploration yes. and identity and the gender spectrum and i didn't know that i was going to be a space for for everyone because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in those trainings of like oh you know who is your ideal client what does their avatar look like are they a male or are they a woman and i'm like i never saw just one person it's so, also one of the things that pisses me off with the whole niching down. What right. the hell? <laughs> yeah, like I'm gonna like her name needs to be Amanda, and she has to have a briefcase and be 42 years old and blonde hair and blue eyes. I'm like, yeah, that is not that is not it. I see like a million <laughs> people. Like, I mean, um, the first question is like, is it a man or a woman? I just block on the first question. Like, what? How? How about how both? Is- how about neither? Is- Exactly. And like, I, even in the, this is from the International Coaching Foundation, they've got even the, the avatar, like an outline of a male body and a female body. And then you can choose. And I'm just like, this is really frustrating. Yeah. I feel, I feel compromised. And I'm like, if I feel compromised, then other people who are going through any sort of identity crisis or even an exploration of identity how is that going to affect them? And you know, so yes. I, as I'm speaking up on 
you know, my womb health and my period and, and women's sexuality, I've always been talking to men, women, and everyone in between. Like there's never been, uh, like, like women have asked me to hold goddess circles and, uh, sister circles and all that. And I'm just like, I, I don't want that for me. Like, I know that I can make a mass amount of money in that market. Everything's mm -hmm. a market. And right now it's trendy to be like, God is this, queen this. Yeah, it's, it's kind of dangerous, to be honest. I mean, it's very, it's so reductive. I don't, I don't love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually, uh, excuse me, my, my battery. No worries. Oh, okay. Alert. Uh, I don't love that. And I would like to change, the, I am changing it by, like right now my Facebook group is called Sexploration and Spiritual Healing. Mm -hmm. And the, the people in that group is such a variety. I don't speak to just women or just men or, or trans or whatever, whatever people want to identify as. It's just, I'm an open space for you to express, to ask questions, to wonder, to explore. That's it. Yes. Like, I don't even think identity, it, like similar to what you said, is that niching can be great for short term and not mm -hmm. long term. Yes. Is the same way that I feel about labels and identity is that identity is meant to be explored and is mm -hmm. meant to continuously evolve. Yes. Like me, you, we are meant to evolve. We are meant to grow. Culture is meant to grow and evolve and shift and expand. And how are we going to do that if we've got these boxes that we're not meant to fit in? Uh, absolutely. I mean, personally, I love labels just because I love words. And I'm a word person, I'm a language person. So words, yes, please. Um, but where labels, like, there are two situations where labels become really bad. One is because it's when people label you instead of you picking a word that you feel good with. That's really bad. And two, it's when the label becomes a box and be becomes reductive. Like a label is only interesting as long as you can swap them and find the ones that you feel most comfortable with. For me, I started identifying as gender fluid when I was 29, when, is when I discovered that it was even a possibility to be one trans masculine and two gender fluid non-binary and all of the, I discovered all the words. I was like, okay, like this one defines how I feel. Um, but recently I realized that I don't even have a label that I love for my sexuality. And I'm still like exploring with them and swapping them and trying to find one that fits really well because I'm like 95% into women. And so I would identify as genosexual because I can't call myself straight or gay if I don't have a fixed gender. Yeah, mm. right? Because straight, I mean, if you're a straight woman, it means you're a woman and you like men. You have two components. And if you're gay, it means you have one, your gender, woman, and you like women as well. And you also have two components. But if your gender isn't fixed, then all of that goes out the window. So I have been using genosexual a lot. I still use it, but I don't think it fits exactly. Uh, I recently found out the word agrosexual, which means that your sexuality evolves over time. I don't know if I love it. Um, it's a big exploration. And it's not yeah. about labeling yourself or putting yourself in a box or like fixing your identity. It's really looking at what other concepts other people are, have come up with to describe themselves and looking at yourself against those concepts and see if you match up with them and, and for how long and when it doesn't feel good anymore, swap it. Yes, yes, I'm all about that. You know, take, what, take it for what it's worth and when it works and then as you evolve, change it to something else. So that's where I look at uh, labels as purposeful 
for the journey of self-exploration. It also helps with validity to feel, mm -hmm. because if you're, if you're gender fluid and you don't have a specific gender, you're just like, like me, I, per I personally don't have a preference. Like I am so, I have a preference, I guess. I mean, like th this is how many fucks I give about it is that I just care about how I feel mm -hmm. uh, inside first before caring about how people feel about me. So right. yes, I do care about how others feel and I'm mindful with my language. Like when you corrected me, I'm like, okay, great. Then now I have a better understanding of who mm -hmm. I'm talking with. Yes. And that's it. It doesn't have to be this big, this big thing of, of I'm right, you're wrong. It's like, okay, now yes. I know how to communicate. I mean, I think it's with you and and for me, go yeah, you're, no, you're breaking up. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I in high school. I can I can hear you and and yes, see you well. yes, go ahead. I think it's fine now. Um. So I I thought in high school I'm like I can't pick gay straight. I cannot do this. Like I am just a person, and I understand how being like a big part of my journey to call myself a woman because I was a tomboy I was always more like into sports I work uh I, I didn't start like I used to have my hair back and I would never mm -hmm. really embrace my my sexiness I guess uh when I was a young teenager and as I started growing tits I guess <laughs> that's when that's when I'm like oh, so I'm supposed to call myself a woman? These are lady things? Like talking about my period in private is supposed to be a thing? And I just- I it had the same problem. Yeah, it doesn't work, <laughs> it doesn't work. I'm just like, what my father is there, he knows that I'm on my period and I'm not supposed to talk about it. Like this does not make any sense. And so mm -hmm. I just tossed it. I, I've always been um, very okay with being on the outskirts, uh, being a misfit, a rebel, if you will. Uh, that's actually where I feel most at home is outside of a box or on the edge of mm -hmm. comfort, <laughs> like <laughs> a tad uncomfortable yeah. is great for me because I know that I'm evolving. And so I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not heterosexual. I'm not homosexual. I'm just sexual, like mm -hmm. literally as a, a creative, as a human, as a person with a body, like a soul in a human body. Yes. We are creative energy in physical form. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, why do I have to reduce myself to I'm gay, I'm straight, I'm, I'm queer. I'm, and I also understand that as I'm evolving, it feels good to feel valid as a woman Mm -hmm. or valid as queer or yes. bisexual to try these labels on and be like, this feels really empowering mm -hmm. until it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, personally, I will always make the argument <laughs> that then, uh, if, you, if you don't like labels, like a lot of people react so negatively to labels. And I mean, you don't have to, like, why do I have to label? No, you don't have to, like, for starters, if you don't want to, like, do you? But I always make the argument that if you don't like labels, it's because you haven't played with enough labels. Because the whole thing of, like, Ooh. you know, some people become aggressive about, oh, why we have all those genders nowadays, and, like, and what with dummy girl and dummy boy, and, like, the, or different sexualities, like, trixic, toric, abrosexual, whatever, like, all those words that so many people have never heard. And some people get really triggered by, like, why do we need to have that? We need it because we need to be 
playing with how we feel and exchanging about those topics. Now, you don't have to participate if you don't want to. No one is forcing you to do anything with anyone. But uh, I found that I love to even just collect the knowledge of these words, even if I have absolutely no self-identification with them, just because these are words. I love words. That's the key. I have a bias towards words, of course. But Me too. <laughs> if, if, they feel, if they feel reductive for you, it's because you don't have enough of these, like 100%. Back in the days in the 70s, there was only the word gay for everybody who was not a cis straight person. And that was not very validating of bisexual people, for starters, who would be like, half, half, what the hell? And, and that's why you started having labels like bisexual. And then people get into, okay, like it's, yeah, this is kind of me, but kind of not. And with all the different intersections of gender and sexuality, we are born to keep having more and more of those words. And I think it's beautiful that we keep having more. And a lot of people get overwhelmed, but it's okay. Like you don't have to participate. Like no one's forcing you. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's all about the playfulness. It's also something I, I speak about a lot in the topic of learning a language because I'm helping people who need to learn French. And sometimes they're in a situation which it can be very uh, disempowering for them. Like it's extremely disempowering to not be able to express yourself when you need to. And there's a very clear parallel between having to express yourself in a language that you don't master and being a queer person, having to express yourself in a language that's fundamentally limited because it doesn't have enough words to express the, the variety of who you are. And so really always insist on like, okay, yeah, try to explore it and play with it and just be curious about it and how you can help yourself fit with the language so it works. And it's- Exactly I, I, that approach of play. Play, yes, play, yes, evolve. Absolutely. Yes. And it, it, uh, it, it frustrates me that so many people see the labels as something that's reductive. I'm like, what the hell is the exact opposite? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's empowerment, it's reclamation. Yeah. And I needed, I needed labels to get to where I am. Yeah. So, you know, to be, to be this zero fucks given person, I needed to explore, like, what does it feel like? I did not like being called a princess. I was like, well, mm -hmm. if you're going to call me anything royal, then you better call me a queen. Yeah, rather than of course. Princess. <laughs> Makes sense. And then now I'm like, wait, I'd rather be a princess without the responsibilities of a queen. So mm -hmm. this is just, I, I'm very playful in nature. I'm very playful in business. I'm playful just as in my own journey of exploration. And I also love words. So I do find uh, a sense of validity and like I I'm, I'm now valid as a woman because someone called me a goddess or someone calls me a queen and then there's another side of me where I'm like can you stop with calling calling everyone a queen and everyone a goddess like what is goddess behavior really like is good mm -hmm. or bad a thing like in Hinduism which I was raised raised Hindu and yes. it's very uh it's the interpretation of Tantra, which is what the West would call sacred sexuality, whereas I would call it a way of life of just living, letting creative energy flow. And the, yeah, it, it's not this, um, uh, there's the divine feminine and there's the divine masculine. I'm like, we never, that's not what I was raised with. Mm -hmm. I was raised with, there is creative energy, there is an ebb, there is a flow, there is uh, duality and polarity and even like when people speak on polarity of oh well men have 
a negative charge where women have a positive charge. I'm like, no, it's not related. This, yeah. None of this is in Vedic texts. It's not. I'm getting the impression that Vedic uh, awareness or generally Eastern philosophy does not fit well in Western society. And when Westerners get their hands on it, it gets messy or it gets, it's just, there is such such a disconnect between the Eastern philosophy or the Eastern approach and the perspective of the Western mind. Wait, I, I don't even know how to express well, the question, but you see what I mean, the, right? The Western culture is a dichotomy, is this two things at once that are like this. Yes. Uh, for people who are not listening, clashing, uh, rather than interlaced and and weaving together. The fluidity exists in Vedic teachings in yoga. And here what happens when we take these teachings from the East and bring it to the West, which I think is very powerful and medicinal. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'm all about spreading the wealth, spread the medicine. And here's where it, it goes like it clashes is because in the West, we are taught, like as an American, I say we, uh, mm -hmm. as an American, I'm taught that, you know, sex is naughty, sex is bad, sex is only for when you're married or after 18, or, um, you know, the label has to be PG-13 to say the S word, the S word, you know, whatever it is, uh, sex. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, sex sells. So is it good yes. or is it bad? Like, this is very confusing. Well, if sales are bad too, then they're both bad. Because there's also this idea that selling is bad. That selling is bad? Yes, it's a common misconception among people. Well, I love selling because it's just... No, me too, but it's... We are a minority. <laughs> so that might be true. Yeah, no, that, that could be true. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I noticed that the way that it can be more fluid of bringing ancient teachings or teachings that are not uh, uh, widely accepted or considered taboo is when you, okay, it's cultural appreciation is when, uh, let's say a white cis male is offering a, a, yoga, a yoga class for how to ignite your goddess, you know, whatever the cheesy new age words mm -hmm. are, the way that they can still do that without without appropriating my culture or any culture is to give credit where it's due and yes. start with education. So if you want it, like you don't have to be brown to be a yogi. Uh, you don't have to be brown to be a tantrika or all these different words for sacred sexuality, which in my mind is like, who considers what is sacred? That's all BS to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's very judgment-based like good or bad right or wrong sacred or holy naughty or or, or bad yeah right? it's very the western mind bad. right we we have to see everything in polarity we can't we cannot embrace the whole it doesn't work oh are you there yeah and that's where i'm going for more of the yeah it, it froze for a second yes uh but i but i caught you uh the the more lunar approach rather than linear left or right experiences. So the, the way that I see culture really embracing all of this diversity is still bringing in whatever healing modalities, whatever cultural influences that's working for you and sharing it with the world and providing education of the source. Like, where did it come from? Mm -hmm. Don't change, um, don't take, don't change the language. Like if yes. you're going to say yoga, don't, don't make it 
a workout. It's yoga is a culture, is a practice, is a way of life. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be, I'm doing yoga. It's I'm practicing yoga. Right. Or I'm practicing right. meditation. I'm not doing meditation. I mean, but meditation exists everywhere in every culture. It's just mm-hmm. that, you know, some people called it a thing. In the West, they called it a thing. Right. And, whoops. My batteries. No worries. Going. Yeah. So it's about morning. being very precise and radical with the wording, I guess, and how you approach it and giving credit and quoting your source really right yes and and often a lot of what i get when i'm speaking is not exactly studied i mean a good chunk of it is i have education i have training under me mm-hmm. and if something is just streaming through me i don't always have uh, it's a it's a new thought sometimes so i don't always have uh you know like a a citation right here and a whole list of like when people ask me what books do i read to learn about sexology or to learn about tantra i'm like learn to channel like learn mm-hmm. how to learn meditation first so that you have a clear mind so like the same way that this podcast sort of just like fell into your lap like it just birthed into existence yes. whether you went looking for it or not that is the way that i find different trainings or different schools for like, I went to the Institute of, I I always mess up with this wording, I-S-S-E, International Study of Somatic Sexology Education, whatever Mm -hmm. the abbreviation is. Uh, But yeah, that that fell into my lap. I wasn't like I was searching for a sex school. Yeah, that happens a lot. It happens to me a lot. mm -hmm. Also, I practice meditation and I channel. So totally on the same page, totally understanding what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's mostly where I started with with my work is teaching people how to how to breathe, mm-hmm. breath work, meditation, how to channel. I started my whole business as a medium and that's how I was able to be all of these things and share from business to storytelling to writing to speaking to sex to culture whatever it is is because the more that I clear my mind, the more available my body, my vessel, my wisdom is available to more wisdom. Yes. So it's like clear yourself, be an empty channel, and then you'll know something. Like I don't, I don't believe that I ever know anything. Mm-hmm. Because once I think that I know something, then that is concrete. And with that concrete uh platform of this is what I know then how is something supposed to enter? Like, how is new information going to enter? Yeah, absolutely. So I know nothing until until spirit says it in my mouth and it, I feel truth in my body. Right. I don't care if if science, this may be irrational and that's okay because I am irrational. (laughs) We're all irrational, we're human. Like, let's acknowledge that and stop pretending that rationality is a virtue. Like, that's ridiculous. I mean, I adore it. And uh, one of my friends, she's very, she's very rational. Uh, like there's cause and effect. Uh, Marin, yeah, this is who I mm-hmm. uh, had her on. on a yes, she podcast. was on the previous episode. Yes. I love talking with her because I'm this watery, uh, there's truth in everything. And she's like, listen, people don't have purpose. Things have purpose. This cup is to hold water. That is the purpose of the cup. And I'm like, what? Like, because she's so very, very because because of the philosophy it. training and yeah, and the INTJ personality. So yeah, I get that. Yeah, if, so I different like different personality. 
and and they all complement. So yes. with the idea that you know, I where I'm a person of relative truth is this is truth to me in this moment until I'm proven otherwise. Mm-hmm. So that's like it's still that's what science is too. It's yes, it's a theory until it's proven, and then I believe science is meant to be like what is the word? Uh, unproven? Yeah. What do you call like busted? Disproven. Busted? Disproven. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's, it's, it is the the point of science. Like you keep doing. Otherwise, if science wasn't meant to be disproven, why would we need any more science? Like science keep, like, keeps being done because they want to find what they didn't know before, right? That's the yeah. whole point of science. And and my big thing was with the physical healing journey, I got diagnosed with a terminal illness said to be incurable, which there there is validity in that. I see that happening with other people who have been diagnosed. Uh, it's called pulmonary fibrosis. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like where the air is supposed to go through your lungs, imagine cement. So how is it supposed to pump like that if mm-hmm. it's being constricted with a wall, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I used to be on machines to help me breathe and all that until I was just like, I'm going to change my mind and it's going to change my body. Mm-hmm. And the, the way that, that worked was that I, I said, I am here to disprove science. I'm here to screw up your statistics. I'm not going to be that, that percent. I'm going to be the, the 1%, the margin of error. I have a choice in this. And that's where it was like, boom, everything just fell into place. And the expression part just became medicine. It healed me. Yes. I mean, continuously is healing me. If I don't speak up, I feel it in my throat. I -hmm. feel the constriction in my lungs. When I do speak up, I feel open. Like I literally just cracked my my spleen, my spleen cracked my heart. "Mm." Yeah. I'd say that makes two of us because I was also considered to be incurable at some point and I would never do anything correct with my life so it's not something I speak about so much and we are too way too far in this podcast already so that I'm not gonna throw <laughs> in that story but like yeah I've heard that before it's a load of crap okay like just if you believe it of course it's gonna be your reality but if you don't believe it you have a good chance of getting out there you um, go that's exactly it yeah and unfortunately too many people believe it and I think that's one of the reasons why as a whole, we are very sick because people accept the limitations that they're given and don't question them, which is sad. Well, I will take the limit and use it as a, a limit of awareness. like Right, oh, as a guideline. I mean, if it's a limit, you can have it as a guideline, not as a like, stop rule. sign, right. you know, it's different. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so this is what you expect me not to do, then this is what I'm gonna surpass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So absolutely. it's another goal for me. <laughs> yeah, um, I have I have one other question which kind of ties in with that, and because you've been speaking recently about um, directing sexual energy towards creative ventures, you were saying in a post recently that you haven't had sex in a long time, and it doesn't matter because you use that energy differently. And I was like, cool. How do we do that? Because that sounds that sounds really nice. I want the creative ventures to flow. I mean, it's getting better recently, but I'm sure I can get so much better at it. Tell me about it. <laughs> like, do you have a secret or like, is it, how does it work? Yeah, I'll do, I'll do a quick plug because I've, I've got the Sex Magic 101 course, which just explains what creative energy is, AKA what sexual energy is, mm-hmm. the difference between erotica versus sexuality. So there's, um, when I say, oh, you can channel sexual energy into creative energy or or not creative energy into something tactile tangible into a trip into a flight whatever that is 
uh, whatever goal you want, a business venture, the way that it, it's to have awareness of what sexual energy is first, what it feels like in your body. So it's not just when my panties are wet, just kidding, I don't even wear panties, but it's not just <laughs> when you know, you've know you got a boner or something like that. It's That's an indicator that your sex drive is up. Mm-hmm. And then also the way that we're speaking right now, when I'm very passionate and I'm on a roll, that is sexual energy. All right. uh, when you are inspired to create this podcast, that is sexual energy. That is creative energy. When you get on a call with your students, that is your creative, your life force, your manifestation energy. It's all in the same energy center, which is your sacral chakra. Right. Uh, in Vedic healing, we have or, or in many cultures, actually, we have energy. We have an ener- energy system, which some call chakras. Mm-hmm. And that's a translation for a wheel. A wheel, yeah. Of, Yes, which is spinning energy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes energy is decreased or stagnant or dense. And for example, the way that sexual energy can look when I'm like where my sexual energy is down would show up as symptoms like depression, fatigue, insomnia, anxiety. Uh, Then where if I feel that my sacral chakra is spinning rapidly or I'm overt, overting too much sexual energy for what my body can hold, it will show up as hypersexuality, which can be uh, construed as, as mania, uh, mm-hmm. as um, like even bipolar, um, any sort of like OCD, those type of, yes. an exertion of, of too much for what the body can hold, for what the nervous system can hold. So having that awareness first and then learning that, okay, so sexuality is not just friction and penetration, uh, scissoring and fucking. It is also the way that I speak, how I speak. It is what I create. It's what what inspires me. Once you have that awareness, then you can direct that energy because it's similar to... uh, law of attraction or meditation Mm -hmm. is where your attention goes, energy flows. That's some cute saying, or I don't know who said it. Uh, But yeah, so if if I am angry and I'm having sex with someone, or like, let's say a a partner and I get in an argument and then we have angry sex. What Mm -hmm. happens there is if in my head, I'm still thinking of why I'm mad at this partner, while we're fucking, then I'm actually channeling the creative energy to create more of the disharmony of whatever I was mad about. So you'll see, this is when I work with couples, they'll, they'll, they'll have the same conversation, the same argument, and then come to me with, well, it happened again. I'm like, well, what were you thinking when you were fucking or before Mm -hmm. you were fucking? Because you are- you re-manifested. Yes, because there's an emotional charge. And um, you know, emotion is energy in motion. So if this energy in motion is moving towards more anger, more resentment, and you're, you're bringing in that increased libido and testosterone, the increased desire uh, that happens during intercourse, I mean, preferably, mm-hmm. <laughs> then you're supercharging more of that frustration or the disharmony. 
Right, so, so you want to really clean up yourself you before you do any kind of uh, sex, especially with someone else, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and you can do this. This is for all bodies. This is like my go-to one is hip gyrations. This is, I'll just, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it looks like what it sounds like, but it's just like, you know, okay. it's literally like uh, just the movement of back and forth in your hips. Mm-hmm. I have to try um, that. Never tried it. So thanks for the tip. Do, you can do it more circular, like, uh what looks more like belly dancing mm-hmm. and what you're doing is opening this energy center so that your breath is going to be clearing out of it it's you're increasing your um your your prana you're increasing your life force your chi your energy and any sort of like cardio based movements specifically in the hip area will open that center and force the breath to mm-hmm. go into that energy center and clear it out right so that's that's like a quick um little sex magic 101 thing and Mm -hmm. so since we're here i'll just plug it is that i have um i have my sex magic 101 course which is a go at your own pace video course and i'm actually going to be doing a live one coming Mm -hmm. up so what i'll do is i'm going to put this one on a flash sale just be like hey get it while you can (laughs) and that's on sharmila.podia.com Cool. That's the sex magic 101. So that's that's recorded. And then I'm going to launch the live one where we get to have live Q and A's mm-hmm. and that the course will be included so they can go at their own pace. So basically I'm gonna revamp Sex Magic 101 because it was right. meant to be like an introduction. Good good to know. Yeah. I, I'm thinking now that I I mean this is just my thought process going on, but I'm realizing that a lot of, because everything you shared right now was about the second chakra, right? The sacral chakra, the the orange Mm -hmm. one, basically. I'm realizing that I thought a lot of that was part of the third one, the the yellow one, the solar plexus chakra. So what's the difference? So, and and I I love that you said that. Okay, cool. Because I was just talking to my students about this in the content creatrix, which is creative consulting for spirit-led creatives Mm -hmm. and and what it is i was like saying the same feeling of okay uh your third chakra or the yellow one the solar plexus is also where inspiration motivation your will to live determination all of that that sun energy exists now they they sort of bleed into one another i've heard people talk about energy healing being like oh well if your root chakra or your first chakra is closed then all of your chakras are closed i'm like that's absolute bs we're not that Mm -hmm. linear uh and so they bleed into each other whereas the sacral chakra is specifically desire rather than um the third chakra or solar plexus being the motivation to fulfill the desire I see. So you can have desire running you like I, all I'm thinking about is this cute guy at the gym. <laughs> and so that's my that's my second chakra. But when I'm at the gym, am I actually going to have the freaking ovaries to go talk to him? Well, let's see. That's my solar plexus saying right. Do you have the determination, the execution, the action to fulfill the desire. Right. So basically, when you're when you're directing your sexual energy, you will direct it through the third chakra to get the motivation and get the things out in the world. Is that is that what you mean? Um, no. In some way. No. Let me hear your question again. Uh, because basically, you you spoke a lot about directing sexual energy to create things, and then the third that that would be the second chakra, and then the third chakra is the motivation to do it. 
So they have to work in tandem for it to happen, right? Uh, yes, and so not necessarily at the same time. Uh-huh. So, um, I mean, there's there's like really short ways that you can practice sex magic. That's uh, like called a sigil. This is in occultism, where if I mean, you can just create one really easily. Just if I want to make three hundred dollars, write three 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 or three hundred and thirty three bucks on a piece of paper, and at the edge of an orgasm, I'm visualizing uh, a bank statement or you've got 333 coming in your account. Right. I mean, I because I meditate often, that is very, it's very easy for me to think about something not erotic mm-hmm. while I'm masturbating or while I'm turned on to life mm-hmm. or while I'm in the ocean. Like sex magic can be practiced when you're drinking water. I, I tell my students drink water when you're already you know, turned on or like you want more of something, swallow that in water's intelligence yes but where it comes to the the third chakra being like oh you need that in order to create yes and they don't happen at the same time so i mean they can they can happen at the same time so that there's the dream the desire of wanting to go on a trip to france and then there's the actual like just with like the law of attraction you can ask asking it is given yes but you have to be in a state to receive what you're asking for so that's where the the third chakra comes in of your willingness to receive of saying yes to the desire like even when i did my uh when i launched the content creatrix i thought i wanted 30 people in there turns Mm -hmm. out i wanted more intimacy and more one-on-one support so i wanted a smaller group so even when i I started with the intention of, I want 30 people here. I actually wanted less than 10 when I started actually going like in the the beta phase of testing it. And I'm like, no, I am not energetically available to help that many people because of how deep I go with with one person at a time. And so you you may say that, okay, I'm manifesting this or I'm creating this. And then when spirit brings it your way or the universe brings it your way, you're no longer an energetic match. Mm-hmm. Then you have to be able and willing to, to let go of that outcome or like the attachment to the outcome and say, well, hey, this is what I am in line with now. And now I, I freaking love it. Like I, I could not imagine doing what I'm doing now with 30 people. Whereas right. 10 people is like, yes, that intimacy is available. I can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes that makes total sense. Um, I think we are way past the one hour mark. So one, one last question to wrap this up. Um, so we have spoken a lot about the differences in cultures, especially Eastern versus Western. Most of the things that you have shared literally fly in the face of the so-called conventions that we have in the Western world. Um, and it's very obvious that us Westerners, we would gain a lot from learning and integrating more of an Eastern perspective or Tantra perspective, yoga perspective, whatever you want to call it. Um, how do you see this evolving in the future? Like as a, as a whole, I know it's a big question, but uh, do you see these things getting better uh, in the next decades or do you see to the, like on the contrary, a lot of backlash coming up? I see both and I see it happening now. Uh, mm-hmm. And I see it getting better now. So the idea of what better looks like may look chaotic. Like to me, 
right what what chaos is happening with with uh i mean even this this pandemic is not solely a pandemic on your bodily autonomy there's all these other things that are coming up like black lives matter has mm-hmm. been around and for as long as ever it's just you know assigning a label to it or creating yes. the movement yeah. to be organized now it's more in your face than before only because people are evolving and we are fed up and so eventually like whatever is under the surface is going to rise mm-hmm. and this is my message to anyone who is looking to evolve or and this goes for the gender conversation as well yes is even though you don't have to play you don't want to play with us that's fine eventually it's going to be in your face where you have to and then it's going to be like work mm-hmm. so i mean it's either you actively start researching and educating yourself because you give a shit about more than yourself which is what it had to take for me was seeing that i have a loved one who's trans and they wanted me to communicate with them in a way that they feel respected i'm like well shit i don't know how so i mm-hmm. learned people how. proactively learn to do it yes yeah so it's taking initiative mm-hmm. otherwise you know this is what we call spiritual bypassing is yes when you don't do the inner work or you know you're not you're feeding your your All right, uh, we have lost Shamila for a moment. I will see if she comes back. Hey, Shamila. Hi. Yes, I was, I was already almost saying the end credits because I didn't know if you were going to be back. So yes, please just continue where you stopped off. Yeah, so literally active participation. Otherwise, you're just going to wait for it to hit you in the face where you are emotionally connected to someone because this is, this is not going to stay on the bottom. You've got to bring it to the surface. Right. If you if you don't want to play the game, fine. It's going to be in your face later because evolution is constant. Change mm-hmm. is constant. So it's either like you play with us or or you're going to get slammed when maybe your loved one is, throws it in your face like, "Hey, this is these are my needs and this is how I need to be loved." Yeah. I'm afraid it's what happened to my parents because I'm not talking to them and yeah, like they could have done better, but they're not going to so they are lost i guess yeah that's tough but yes i mean i didn't want to like <laughs> dump on the mood in the last moments of of this podcast but yeah that's a that's a very wise message that you have that you can either proactively quote unquote do the work but you know seek to educate yourself when it's uh, still time or you're going to be slammed in the face i think it's very you know it's the same thing with your body like they say you have to listen to your body when it whispers otherwise you will have to hear it when it screams right exactly so it's very much the same kind of dynamic and i commend you for still speaking your truth regardless if you have your parents support or understanding you know that's that takes courage yeah um working on it i mean i'm <laughs> doing my best and trying to do it more and more that's why also one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on this podcast because uh, really impressed by how well you share your truth and just the kind of things that you write on Instagram. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not, I'm not on that kind of level yet, you know? Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, you just start by doing it. It's yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a step-by-step thing. Like on only like two or three weeks ago, my intuition was like, okay, paint your nails now. And that was back then that was paint my nails purple. I didn't have the red nail polish yet. Uh, it was like a step-by-step thing, even in the nail polish color. And if you had told me two months ago that I would be like on a video with red nail polish, 
recorded all of my videos today with the red nail polish on. I'll be like, you're insane. <laughs> <laughs> but then here I am, you know, yes. and stuff just, stuff just barged their ways in, into existence, whether it's a big thing, like a podcast or a small thing, like nail polish, it's just, it just sort of happens. If you know to listen to your intuition, it just comes in. Yeah. So and yeah. I'll leave you with that confidence as a muscle. The yes, absolutely. It, just keep practicing and yeah, even me, I'm I'm radical, ex radically expressed. I still have doubts, insecurities. I don't feel confident all the time, and I do it anyways. Mm -hmm. So it's just getting over it and doing it anyways. And then later, you feel the glorification, or maybe you don't. But it's yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of hypnotherapy for me. I, my hypnotherapist is on the first episode of this podcast for a reason. Uh, yeah, it's working. It's just you have to keep treading the path. Absolutely. Also, hypnotherapist. Hey. Hey. So yeah, I mean, I think we're way past we're way past time. So thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you? Sharmila Medicine anywhere. So is it uh, dot com? Oh uh, well, I have not a website. website, but it's sharmila.podia.com. Right. And then, I mean, if you go on my Instagram, you can look around, and there will always be a way that I can direct you. So okay, yeah. Medicine, and then on Facebook, find me. Join my, join my community. It's our community. It's for mm -hmm. exploration and conversations like this. It's sexploration and spiritual healing community. Thank you. I'll, I'll put all of this in the show notes. Uh, you will have to send me the contact of your friend, uh, which you told me about, not Marin. She was already here, but uh, the other one, because you don't know it, but I have lots of little rules for myself. And I have a rule that if someone's name comes up during a podcast episode, I have to contact them and try to convince them to be on the podcast next. Yes. Oh so now God. that the name has come up, you're going to have to put me in touch with this person so that we make an episode together. Most likely, yeah. That is perfect. And I, I mean to plug who I plug. It's, I have full faith in her. She's amazing. I, I know. I mean, the names come up for a reason. So yeah, they, sh they should come next. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you. And I will message her and send her your info. Cool. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, this is the end of this podcast. Thank you for having listened to it. You will find all the details in the show note or in the description. And I'm going to stop the recording now and I'll see you listeners in the next one.